Welcome to the Out What Now podcast. I'm your host, Megs Pulvermacher, and each week I'll be bringing you stories, interviews, and insightful conversations with queer folks, much like yourself, about how they've navigated the ups and downs of their coming out journeys so you can do the same while learning to love yourself more fully and live more boldly and authentically. Wherever you are in your coming out journey, know that you're right where you're supposed to be, you're loved, and we're so excited to be on the journey with you. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Out What Now podcast. Super pumped to be hanging with you for yet another day in our Chosen Family series and to get back into the conversation that we started yesterday with none other than my mom, We are moving into kind of a more emotional part of the episode, so buckle up, get some Kleenex ready, possibly. We'll see what happens, but we're getting more into a lot of my mom's story and things that come up during the holidays and some of the takeaways and advice that she has for you going into 2022. So I hope you enjoy it, and I will see you over there. So we've touched on a couple of pieces of your story and starting to get a picture of who Mama C, as it were, is. Mm -hmm. But if you had to kind of sum up your story or an element of your story, the things that make you you, what would that, what would go into that? What makes you you? Wow, that's a big question. Um, and I want to answer that, I think, with a question. Okay. I heard, I heard a great podcast because um, I'm listening to those all the time. And the speaker was addressing life purpose mm. and um, a, a topic that always interests me. And he asked, What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And I knew instantly what it was. I knew that it was families um, that have fallen apart, that are estranged because they have a child in the queer community. Mm -hmm. That breaks my heart. And the reason it breaks my heart is because we can do better. We can do better. And I thought, then the next part of it was, Think of, you know, the big thing you want to change. Okay, I want to change that. Well, what can I do in my corner of the world to start helping people? And so that required a lot of of journaling, a lot of kind of drilling down. um, Where is it that I could could be of help in restoring those broken relationships? Where, where would that be? And um, so that was kind of defining my purpose, um, but I, you know, I had to go back deeply into my own feelings 
of when you came out and how scared I was and um, all the emotional things I had going on. And I went, I think of the places I went for support and came up empty handed is an extremely isolating experience. So for those that don't know, we live in a very small town, um, love it here. It's, it's a beautiful place, um, very conservative. So when you're a mom dealing with this, with a wonderful husband, love him dearly, but he just didn't want to go there. Didn't want to talk about it, which left me totally isolated. So needing, I knew I needed to learn more, to talk to people, but where do you start with something like that? Thank God, at the time, I was working for the University of Wisconsin Extension, which has wonderful employee assistance program. And that was where I started. I needed desperately to talk to somebody because I was, I was just trying to manage so many things and I just simply couldn't do it. Didn't know where to start. So that was a, that was a good starting point. Um, the whole uh, religious aspect, I'll, I'll just say this. My whole goal is try to love my child well. All I wanted to do, I was brought up in the Catholic Church, um, and I was just searching for um, for guidance on this. <laughs> um, and it was it was a very long and um, lonely journey. Um, so anyway, <laughs> it's so hard to to talk about this and go back to this, and yet it equips me for what I'm I'm doing now. Mm, um, yep. At the time that you were pulling away, I was absolutely gripped with fear. This much prayed for, highly anticipated, beautiful little girl our own precious daughter was pulling away and I was just so scared. I didn't know what to do. And so I then, I guess I just cried out to God, like, show me what to do, who to talk to, books to read, you know, whatever. And I did. I remember taking out a sheet of paper and writing stuff I don't understand was the title of it. And I filled the sheet. I don't understand. I don't understand how this happened. Well, is this my fault? All, all of those, you know, types of things. Um, Maybe I shouldn't have let her play softball or, you know, stupid stuff that, you know, today would make me laugh, but. Right. Uh, <laughs> Just throwing out some hypotheses. Right. I mean, right. You know. <laughs> but that was helpful to me was to write out things and um, to read everything I could get my hands on. And um, some of the things I read were helpful and some were not. And one was life changing. 
And it was the book Embracing the Journey, written by uh, Greg and Lynn McDonald, whose son is, is gay. And uh, when I read that book, I, um, I Googled it, you know, help for parents of gay kids, you know. Um, my first Google was help for Catholic parents of gay kids, nothing. Okay, take out the word Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> then I found Embracing the Journey. And um, their um, book is the story of how they found out their son's coming out and how they survived as a family and how they are thriving as a family. And so it was the um, first time I really felt like I could breathe. I could breathe. The book is so well-written, so honest and raw. And so like I often do, um, I wrote to the authors and to my surprise, they wrote back and um, said, thank you so much for reaching out. We're glad our book um, had an impact. And did you know, we have virtual support groups. Um, we, you know, by invitation only, and we would like to um, invite you to explore that if that would be helpful. Oh, the community that I had been seeking, there it was, mm. there it was. And uh, I was nervous about it. You know, you know me and technology, it's a little shaky, but mm. I can do it. I can do a Zoom call, uh, but I, um, was just put in a, a group of wonderful people that today are my friends and are um, just on the journey with me. Um, that's been a year and a half ago that I was able to, to join that group. And that's where my understanding really began. So if there are any parents listening to this, there are a couple of things I think might be helpful is to understand you are not alone. And when we find our kids come out to us, in my opinion, we have work to do. It is not our child's job to educate us about this. We need to do it. We need a space where we can say, well, what does this mean? <laughs> I'm not familiar with this term or that term. And, um, you know, other, uh, the way that our child's coming out impacts us is different than their lived experience. They're busy trying to figure out their own lives. We need to have our own community. And um, that, that's a really important thing. Uh, another thing I guess I would just say too, is that when your child comes out, know that they are the same wonderful human beings that they were 10 minutes before they told you. They are still the same person. You didn't do anything wrong, but we have to lean in and do our work as parents. I feel strongly about that, um, especially, and, and I'm saying this for people that come from um, embracing that journey as written, you know, um, with Christian parents in mind, if that's your background, and mine certainly was, um, being steeped in, you know, um, the church and all the, the things that expectations and things that are out there um, make it very, very difficult. Um, 
I've often said our children walk away from our churches and then the parents are left spinning. You don't have to spin alone. There are others of us out there that um, come together and support one another. And um, it's been said many times in our support group that our churches are, are, some of, are doing some of the most harm to our kids. And um, it, it can be very hard to be at church. Um, and yet it does, you know, <laughs> there's so many good things about it too. So anyway, I, I'm not going to get too much into the church thing other than to say that embracing the journey um, has been a lifeline for me. And that is where my understanding really really began. I really felt seen and heard. I found connection, resources. We talk all the time about good podcasts or conferences or, um, you know, different things coming up. We have relevant and difficult conversations, stories of strength, struggles, and victories. Um, you know, in short, um, I found hope. And I've been in it long enough now that um, it's an opportunity came up to provide as a volunteer some one-on-one -on -one support to parents of queer kids that are, are looking for resources and possibly joining a group. I know from my grief support and, and guidance and counseling training, groups are not for everybody. It, it's not a format that, that meets the needs of everybody. Um, and so as a volunteer, I meet with parents that are um, maybe have just found out, like after National Coming Out Day, we get some phone calls and people say, wow, I didn't know that. I mean, what does that mean? Or, you know, how are we going to handle Christmas when, you know, Uncle Ted's going to ask about why she doesn't have a boyfriend? And, you know, what do we say? He was going to ask anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but in the groups, you're going to get some strategies about um, what to do. Mm -hmm. And so my heart is most closely aligned, of course, with moms. And moms, often, we want to make everybody feel comfortable and so forth. And we maybe will out our kids thinking, oh, I'll just tell everyone. And and oh, then, nice. yes, <laughs> thinking that that would be helpful. And now, you know, with my lived experience, I can say, give your child that power, let them know, because this is something I screwed up on. And I want to, I want to do better moving forward. So give your child that power. A better question is to say, how can I support you? So that, that was one of my learnings that I'm passing on to other moms. I fully understand their intent. I get it. Um, but that's a, the type of support I'm trying to um, help. And so there are 40 of us, actually, that um, do the one-on-one -on -one coaching um, mm -hmm. nationwide. And maybe it's even international. I'm, I'm not quite sure. And so we just had an update on how many parents that's um, touched this past year has been 500. Holy nuts. 500 um, parents have been had conversations with the one-on-one -on -one, um, support from Embracing the Journey volunteers like myself. And then the um, groups, the 
um, support groups we meet twice a month. And so we've um, that's served 400 parents this past year. Um, and so clearly people are searching for help and for um, connection to foster understanding. No one wants to lose their child, especially over something, um, well, over anything really. Um, and I've just met the most wonderful people. It's just been the most life-giving thing, um, you know, to do that. And it really does break my heart that, you know, relationships can really deteriorate. And when mm-hmm. I have the, those first conversations and they'll say, yeah, well, you know, we stopped providing financial support. We told her she wasn't welcome here breaks my heart. Well, where do you go from there? So we work with, you know, some language, some voice around how to rebuild trust, um, setting boundaries, huge topic, um, and uh, recalibrating expectations. Um, Do you really have to come home from your school if you're in college from your college break? you know, for two deluxe weeks with non-affirming parents. How's that going to feel for everybody? You know, how could that be changed up to be and become a more supportive um, environment? So, yeah, that sounds pretty shitty. Yeah, it does (laughs) for everybody. Yeah. 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 So, you know, those groups are just really powerful. And the one-on-one conversations I've got several notes from people that, you know, it was helpful. They felt seen, they felt heard um, because uh, largely people would go to churches where you would feel like you would get support. And a lot of times it's not there. Although I'm happy to say many good people are working on that, on that issue. My focus really is more on kind of on the mental health aspect um, I joke with my embracing the journey of friends. I don't really know the Bible that well. I'm Catholic. We used it to press <laughs> leaves. <laughs> but, you know, I do know uh, a bit about mental health and, um, you know, to have a human being not feel seen, heard, loved, appreciated, valued breaks my heart. And I want to do my part to change that. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, there are a couple of things you said that, I mean, I've obviously heard you say before, but that I think are so, so important for parents to remember and to acknowledge it into um, kind of like in the moment, you know, you're in the moment. But when you like can take a second to zoom out, right? Because a lot of it, I think at the beginning, it seems like it's fear. And what does this mean that I did wrong? And how can I like your, I think a lot of parents brains when they think of the queer community and a lot of the way that our community is marginalized and is unsafe to Mm -hmm. exist as we are in the world, you know, are we going to be able to get and keep a job? Are we going to find someone who loves us are we going to be able to walk down the street fully like as our fully expressed selves and not have to worry about being hurt or whatever right um if your child is coming out to you 
<clears throat> I think there are a couple of compliments um, that suggest good parenting. It just in the fact that that has occurred. One, that you have created a sense of safety enough that that person wants to, or is at a point where they need to um, share that piece of themselves with you. And um, I can guarantee you that they're in most cases, not all, some people are like, man, I'm not scared of anything and I'm just going to come out now. Um, but like, if someone is coming out to you, I guarantee you they are more scared than you are. Mm -hmm. um, but they're also sharing because there is at least some element of safety that you have created there. And well, you know, fear, I'm sure is coming up. That's a beautiful opportunity to be like, damn, we did a pretty good job creating a human who one loves themselves enough to get in touch with this part of themselves to be at a point where they want to live in a way that they're going to be most happy and feel the most authentic. And three, they want to share this with me, yeah. um, which I think is, is really cool. Um, the other thing that you were talking about with uh, boundaries and communication, I know that is something that in, um, you know, you're a, a natural communicator, right? You kind of talked about how dad is like, eh, I'm not there, like um, not really confrontational, like kind of mm -hmm. guy, like if he doesn't get it, it's just like sort of over there. And, and you really like to talk about things. Yes, I do. <laughs> and figure them out and like, yeah. you know, uh, whatever. And I think we both on, on both sides of this have really grown a lot in the way we, we have been able to communicate about like, you know, you maybe were, um, would kind of take your best guess for what it was that I wanted or what would feel supportive right. to me because you didn't have any, you didn't have a, you to be like, yeah. Hey, just ask her how, she, how she would feel most supported. Right. <laughs> so you were right. taking your best guess and it took me a really long time to be able to actually voice, Hey, when every single conversation we have has something to do with my sexuality, I don't like it. Like it takes yeah. me like, you know, we had to, um, both improve in our boundary setting and the way we communicated what yes. we needed, what we were feeling and how yeah. to love each other better. That took yeah. years and it's still in yeah. progress. I yes. mean, absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I started the embracing support group, I told you about it and I thought, Oh, she'll be all happy. I'm doing this and, and really feel good about it. And that went on for a couple of weeks. And then I would tell you like what we talked about it in one week, you said, um, that's your community. I don't need you to check in. And thank you for doing that because that was liberating for me that I just had my own private community where I could share what's going on on that journey. So yeah, boundary setting sometimes gets a bad rap, but it can really be a gift. We all just feel safer when we know where those boundaries are. Yeah. And I think another really... Um, cool switch that happened when we had that particular conversation was it seemed like to me there was this shift in your 
in the way you were approaching why you were a part of that community because at the beginning um it was maybe more like something you were doing for me and now it's become something that you do for you because you this is another andrea parker thing are just as important yes yes it's a way of me putting me first yeah yeah and it's not like just a passive thing i mean when we have um, when it's support group night, it's inked in and nothing gets in the way of that. Um, but that group is so important to me and it goes actually beyond support. You know how you get into a group and you have, have these um, close friends and, and uh, contacts that you can say, hey, Megan and Amanda are coming to the family reunion. You know, I could really use some positive thoughts as we're getting ready for that. And then, you know, the day of the reunion, how'd it go? You know, people that follow up and they Mm -hmm. care and they celebrate with you when we say we had an awesome day together and they're happy for you. And it was, I believe you had that kind of support as well from people. So having, having people in your corner to go through the ups and downs of, of things is just so huge. So my message to parents is reach out, read, learn, um, get in in, um, in groups if that's something that feels helpful. I know Freed Hearts has things. There's, there's just a lot of different things out there as you look. If you do nothing else, you can look on the Embracing the Journey website just under resources. You'll see my picture there too as part of the care team. But <laughs> you know, the resources there are pretty, pretty extensive. Whether you're a podcast person, you want to find a good book, um, you know, they have some clips of videos and things. So um, it's just a great resource. It can be a great starting point. And if, if you're uh, um, in the queer community and want to give your, your parents or um, adults in your life, loved ones that want to learn more, some resources, that's a great place. You'd say, hey, check it out. And if it doesn't resonate with them, you know, no harm done. Hell yeah. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And, uh, I know it's, it's not, um, well, because I've been on this podcast, I've been a part of gosh, darn near every episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it is not easy to come on here and talk about things that are difficult that you've worked through to talk about ways you've grown, even though there's a a sense of pride in the growth that we make as, as humans, it can be, um, it's a huge it's, emotional investment to go back there. It is. Yes, it is hard. I knew that, uh, I knew I would become emotional, but I reached out to, you know, friends who are thinking of me today and wishing me well and, and praying for me. So that, that helps me a lot. Um, you know, just and the way that you're framing it up, you understand, it's, it's a very hard, very personal, um, to be come on, on the podcast and be vulnerable. So I'm doing my best here. I'm just a Midwest mom. I'm not, you know, speaking for any other, other moms or organizations. I'm just a mom trying to love my daughter, our daughter. Well, well, Hey, you're doing a good job. Thanks. <laughs> I'll give you a heart, a little zoom heart that oh. no one else can see, but you Oh, thank you. big when there's only two people on the screen. Goodness. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> we were talking a little bit earlier about, um, favorite foods and, uh, 
your favorite meal and everything and super stoked for you about the rice salad and everything. Um, <laughs> I personally uh, look forward to our, uh, well, we're having a tailgate party for Christmas this year. We are, yes. Because the Packers play. Uh, and just because it's a good idea, which means yeah. we're going to have calico beans, which yeah. is one of my favorite things that my mom makes. It's like <laughs> calico beans, cowboy beans. It's like baked bean. There's like all the beans in there and like bacon and brown sugar. It's just, it is damn delicious. Yeah. Um, and some of my other uh, favorite flavors of the season, if you will, we always have a, a little turkey din with the immediate, immediate family. Yes. Some sweet potato and apple casserole, some green bean casserole, all the good stuff. Yep. Very excited about all of that. Um, and there are, you know, things like that come up during this time of year, but there's, there are also a lot of, um, other things that, um, come up for folks this time of year. What about mm -hmm. you? What are you um, looking forward to thinking about? Yeah. Um, Christmas is a time of mixed emotions for me. Um, no, I was just thinking back to when I was a little little girl in 1966. We had a pretty magical Christmas. My little brother um, had been hospitalized for months. Mm. University of Minnesota Children's Hospital got a day pass to come home for Christmas Day. Wow. And he was so thin. I just remember that he had scars on his arms from all the IVs, but he was home and it was just magical. He got a singular gift. He got a big red fire engine. I don't know if he even remembers that, but seven-year-old me just thought that was a pretty magical day. Just have him mm -hmm. home for the day. So that was great. And uh, he's of course healthy and, and good now. So I mean, it's got a good outcome. Um, Fast forward many years, 1983, we were newlyweds. We had our first Christmas in Texas. And I really felt a bit homesick. We had moved there for our jobs and, and it was just the two of us and it was gonna be great. And it was great, but there was a little bit of homesickness there. 1986 was pretty exciting. We had our first baby, you, just two months old. So we are very happy and excited. Although if you ever look through the photo album, you did not like that 1987 Happy New Year crown we tried to put, put on you. You were squir squirming around and you were having none of that. They were always trying to dress me up. <laughs> 1995, expecting our second child in just two weeks. We were very happy and excited and you were excited. That was great. He was the so, first baby of the year. Yes. In, in our town. Yes. Yeah. And Michael was born. Um, some, you know, sad memories. Um, 2009, um, mom's health was declining. Um, I took a leave from work to be there to help with her care. And she died in January. Um, so, you know, decorating the tree and seeing the ornament in memory of her is hard. You never forget your mom. And then four years later, 
Uh, actually, today, dad died eight years ago, today, 12 days before Christmas. And another ornament um, remembering dad put that up um, just the other day. So, you know, very thankful for um, mostly good, happy memories. The older you get, the more people you're losing and uh, remembering this time of year, remembering funny. I made myself remember funny stories, uh, you know, the year that we mom had this idea to bake all these gingerbread men and hang them as ornaments. And <laughs> we did that. And the dog uh, just couldn't take it anymore and lunged at the tree. <laughs> and my dad... <laughs> Uh, let out an exclamation, shall we say. That was a funny, a funny Christmas event. Ornaments flying everywhere. It was just a big mess. But just funny things like that. Um, you know, those things sustain you. And uh, um, so those are some Christmas memories. Looking ahead, um, you know, to like 12 days from now. Uh, excited. Um, to have Megan Amanda coming for Christmas, bringing in extended family, friends, our chosen family, mm -hmm. uh, welcome in our home, fun, good food, good uh, libations. Uh, <laughs> and don't forget my rum chata, please. <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that Christmas is is very very emotional. Um, I think that's why I enjoyed that movie New in Town so much. It was just a complete diversion from all kind of the emotional stuff. It was just downright funny, and it just felt like a good break. There's a continuous cycle of you know kind of I call it Christmas sap movies, mm -hmm. uh, which as a grief specialist we always encourage people that have recently had a loss to steer away from those, a steady diet of those because they can make you feel um, more alienated than you perhaps already feel. So. Right on. There's so many a things. Answer, a long emotional answer, wasn't it? Well, that's, that's very real though. I mean, that's, it's from the emotions that can come up to with whatever your family situation is, where you're living, you might be feeling homesick. You might have experienced a, a loss of a, a loved one, be that via death or, uh, or a bridge being burned or an expectation not being met. I mean, there are, that really kind of <laughs> covers the gamut of the, the human experience, right? Because you can, it's yeah. possible. And we've talked about this in a couple of episodes on just within this series and certainly throughout the course, the history of the show, but the, the ability for that and to be in place, you know, you can yes. have joy and, you know, laugh until you cry watching new in town and you can be sad and pissed off and anxious and excited. And you can feel all of those things at the same time. And that's right. one of the most challenging and also amazing things about being human is we have the capacity to do that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. And, and it also uniquely qualifies you, which when I say the word uniquely qualified or the phrase uniquely qualified or uniquely equipped, it reminds me of you and dad helping me write cover letters for oh. job <laughs> applications. But yeah. I think um, just the range of experience that you've had in um, the different challenges and struggles that have been specific to your life experience, it really does and has over time uniquely equipped you to do all of the things that right. you're able to do really, really well. And with true, true empathy for the people you yeah. serve in the roles you have. And also just as a friend and as a very well-known listening ear around town and all of that stuff. I mean, you're, you're well-known for that. Well, thank you. When I when I talk with um, you know moms of of um, in my role supporting um, their queer kids, and they'll say I'll lose my friends, and I will often say your friendships may change. Right, mm -hmm. acknowledging that, and then share with them some of my lived experience with that, um, and. So uh, yeah, I, I think what you're saying is just having having lived through it, I do. I have true empathy because I have uh, I have experienced it and I have great compassion for the crossroads people find themselves at. And that teaching them that and is so important. Like when I, I said earlier, I was so isolated. I need to be really clear. I have awesome friends. I do. And and they you know, there's a whole spectrum in terms of shared life experiences, but I'm happy to say that some of them really surprised me. Honestly, some of them did disappoint. And so then you say, okay, there's a season, a reason sometimes for friends, they served a purpose and you move on. And I have um, just been really blessed in that incorporating that and they're great people and they served a purpose and I've extended my friend friendship circles in new ways. Yes. Yes. Look at you. Boundary queen. Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Excellent. Okay. So we could obviously talk forever. Um, but if um, as we're coming up to the end of the year here, you know, you, I know you've had a lot of different experiences. You've grown in a lot of ways in 2021, different things have happened. Um, what do you think is your biggest takeaway from 2021 and advice for folks you might have as we're heading into 2022? Do the thing. Whether it's little, little things like you know, I hear people saying, well, you know, I want to have, I want to have these friends over, but you know, um, COVID or the weather or whatever, um, find a way, look for the and, and do the thing. If you want to learn more, you want to get to know somebody, somebody you see maybe where you work or where you go to school or in your community, um, and just say, hey, you want to grab a coffee sometime and just visit? Um, take take those risks. I think you'll just be so glad that you did. 
I mean, I, I started doing that in just a very small way, just, you know, in my yard. I want to try to grow a new plant, see what makes it work. And then if it doesn't work, what, you know, how can I tweak it? Do that with recipes, you know, just get in the, the habit of just challenge yourself just a little bit to do things a little bit differently. I think it's life-giving, it's energizing, uh, maybe taking a class, you know, nothing about uh, I inquired the other day about a class and I thought, I'm not even sure I can do that. But I thought, what would be the big loss if if I took it and it didn't work out? And, um, you know, just that fostering that curiosity, following it up with an action, no matter how small, I think would be a great way to enter 2022. And you have no idea about what opportunities it might create the people you could meet, do the thing. That is amazing advice. And uh, must be advice that you've given me before, because it is quite how I move through the world. Yes. Hey, you were listening. (laughs) (laughs) Just go do the thing and figure it out later. (laughs) Yeah. Build it as you fly. Sometimes we overthink things, overplan things. Just do it. Yeah. And people don't expect no matter what you're doing, whether it's hosting a gathering, having a Zoom happy hour, mm-hmm. making a call, writing a note, hosting an event, starting a podcast, people don't expect or want perfection. Right. Right. You know? Yep. Love those rejection letters. We received your your submission, you know, because I like to write. Um, you know, keep writing. <laughs> yep. But then it's like, okay, but at least I did it. At least I submitted it. I tried it. And I'm going to try again. And I'm going to get with other people that are good at this and figure out what's what's the secret sauce. What what are some of their tips? So, And that keeps you alive and engaged and striving. And I think that's all a good thing. That's right. No is like next opportunity, right? Yes, that's right. Exactly. I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I, one of the jobs, I, I'm a pretty good interviewer and I've had pretty good success with getting jobs I interview for mm-hmm. in my career in education. And I applied the only internal job I've ever applied for. I, um, I mean, I laid it all out on the table. I told them about my blog. It was like a social emotional learning coordinator job. And, um, one of the questions in, I think the second interview was, what do you think about failure? How do you approach it or whatever? And I kind of threw out, well, like, you know, I think about these different acronyms, you know, fail is just a first attempted learning. No, just means next opportunity. And I can kind of that find the perfection in it sort of thing. And in my rejection call, The person who called me to say, you didn't get this said, well, it's just like you said, no, just means next opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Which for folks out there who are, um, who have to give rejection calls, might I recommend you not use one of the amazing answers the candidate gave in the interview to reject them. But um, glad she was listening. <laughs> Appreciate that. But yes, absolutely go for it, um, which is something that um, I think this podcast is an excellent example of 
you walk in your talk because like we talked about earlier, this is not an easy thing to do, particularly on this uh, subject, something, you know, that's a, um, that's a, it's a very personal journey and it's uh, definitely a very intentional choice to, (laughs) to choose to come on a podcast and, um, and share it. But I think we both value, know the power of, and the value in this type of visibility and the impact that sharing our stories and creating, um, space for folks to have us as a resource, you know, people out there who might be feeling, who might be in that place of feeling really isolated and feeling like nobody gets it or, you know, what am I going to do? And there's nobody else out there who feels the way I do. That's, that's why these stories are important. And I, um, love you so much. And I'm inspired by you every day. And, um, really, really love you so much too, Megan. So proud of you and all that you're doing for your community, which is awesome, by the way. And that new circle of friends that I have in the last years includes so many awesome people in the Queer Impact Collective. Mm. And um, there are so many great people in that community doing amazing things. And it's always just so fun to be a part of that, to learn from them, to listen to their podcasts, to challenge uh, my thinking, expand my thinking. And um, I often will send them a DM and ask for clarification or say, I really liked what you said about this or that, or, you know, that type of thing. And they're so quick to respond. So that's, it's an awesome community. It really is. Yes. Yes. And I haven't really met any of your uh, embracing the journey folks, um, but I am sure because I know the level at which they support you and in many and arguably all things, um, I'm sure they are listening right now. So Mm -hmm. folks out there listening, thank you for the community you've created and the way that you have um, embraced my mom and all of the wonderful things it's um, allowed, all of the growth it's allowed in, in our relationship and just you being able to show up as you is a really cool thing. Yes. Beautifully said. Thank you. And all true. (laughs) All true. You can, uh, you have the, the Megs and mom guarantee. Um, (laughs) All right. We will um, wrap this up. Thanks again, mom, for coming on the show. You are an absolute rock star. (laughs) Um, Thank you all for listening, for hanging with us. That is all we have for you today, but catch us back here tomorrow for yet another episode. And until then, keep it queer out there. That's right. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning into the Out What Now podcast today. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean so, so much to me if you could take the time to leave a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone who could use the message you heard in today's episode, please, please, please share it with them so that we can get this message out to as many people as possible. Thanks so much for being you and keep it queer out there.